In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, October 16th, 2023, the 999th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So over the weekend, we got all sorts of news on the quest for who might become the new Speaker of the House. On Friday, the Republican conference determined that Jim Jordan would be the Speaker designee. This is the USA Today from Friday. 
Jim Jordan wins nomination in House Speaker election, defeating challenger Austin Scott. House Republicans, befallen by disorder and infighting, nominated Representative Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, for Speaker after an internal secret ballot vote behind closed doors Friday, marking another step towards electing a new leader as the lower chamber is in its 10th day without a Speaker. Jordan, the House Judiciary Committee chair, defeated Representative Austin Scott of Georgia, who made a surprise entrance into the Speaker's race hours earlier as an anti-Jordan alternative. The conference's nomination, however, is just a formal endorsement from the majority of GOP lawmakers. For Jordan to become Speaker, he will still have to rally an overwhelming majority of House Republicans behind him to win a vote on the floor with 217 votes, the magic number needed to get the top job. USA Today goes on to note, Jordan's potential ascendancy to the speakership would be a significant turnaround for the Ohio Republican who entered Congress in 2007 as a conservative bomb thrower who was a thorn in the sides of GOP leadership. He was also a co-founding member of the ultra conservative House Freedom Caucus and served as the group's first chair. Also a close ally to former President Donald Trump. Jordan did not vote to certify President Joe Biden's victory in the 2020 election. Well, that is a major plus for Jim Jordan. As chair of the powerful Judiciary Committee, Jordan is one of the few key lawmakers spearheading House Republicans impeachment inquiry into Biden. And that is not a plus for Jim Jordan. Despite his hard right conservative credentials, Jordan has slowly drifted toward GOP leadership as an ally, notably supporting McCarthy's speakership bid back in January when the California Republican endured 15 ballots in pursuit of the gavel. Austin Scott noted on Thursday night that the current state of things in the speaker race as of Thursday night made them look like a bunch of idiots. That is what Austin Scott said about the Republican conference and their inability to put a speaker in place after Matt Gates brought the motion to vacate and Kevin McCarthy was removed. Now, does it make them look like a bunch of idiots? Well, no, certainly not to any MAGA conservative who did not want Kevin McCarthy to be speaker and is more than happy to see this process play out once again in front of the nation. We want to find out who those rhinos are who are supporting the Republican establishment. Many of us think this process is quite healthy. We want to see it all in front of the American people. It does not, in fact, make anybody look like a bunch of idiots, except for those establishment Republicans who are trying to resist all of this so that they can maintain their cover and continue to serve the regime in direct opposition of their own constituents in private. Now, following that vote on Friday, there were reports that up to 55 House Republicans had committed to voting against Jordan when the vote reaches the House floor, which could have been today, but it looks like it's going to be tomorrow. That is what Jim Jordan has called for. There are reports that there are still 10 to 20 House Republicans refusing to vote for Jim Jordan. He can only afford to lose four of them unless he expects to get Democrat help, and that pretty much is not going to happen. But speaking of Democrat help, Republican Congressman Mike Rogers came out after one of their closed door sessions on Thursday and said that he wanted 
Democrat minority leader Hakeem Jeffries to let Republicans know what concessions they would have to make to get Democrat support in electing a new speaker. And that would possibly be to bring back Kevin McCarthy, the guy that they all really want in there. He said of Democrats, we're willing to work with them, but they got to tell us what they need. And he called Matt Gates and others traitors. He said the Democrat Party aligned with eight Republican traitors to put them in this situation where there is no speaker and they have to find a new one. Apparently, the conservative establishment thinks it has some sort of leverage here and can extract concessions by threatening to work with Democrats which again is exactly what they accused Matt Gates of doing when the motion to vacate was brought. Now, all of this, of course, was in the aftermath of Steve Scalise winning that original behind closed doors conference vote on who would be the speaker nominee. He had achieved that early majority, and then it became quickly apparent that there was no way that he was going to get the 217 votes from the Republican conference needed to actually become Speaker of the House. And so he dropped out of the process. Matt Gates, who initiated all this process to begin with, was on War Room this morning speaking to Steve Bannon. He actually did the first half hour, which is well worth listening to if you want to understand this situation in full from Gates's perspective. But I found this moment particularly interesting. What I have committed to this audience is to upgrade the position of Speaker of the House. Jim Jordan isn't the only man that could have upgraded the position. Uh, I believe maybe differently than you and some uh, watching that Steve Scalise would have been a substantial upgrade yep. to Kevin McCarthy. And maybe the distance between McCarthy and Scalise uh, is larger than the audience really knows. I could tell you, McCarthy, I mean, he, he did everything he could to undermine Scalise. And Scalise knew that, and he was probably going to be more anti-McCarthy than Jordan would be. But it's not really about the personalities. It's about can we get the Republican conference back into a productive fighting force? I believed that every day under Kevin McCarthy was just another day of slower surrender, that we were never on the balls of our feet getting into the fight, doing what had to be done. Jim Jordan is a fighter. And if there is anyone who can bring along some of these America last Republicans that do make up our majority, it's going to be Jim Jordan. And the fact that he's now got uh, so many folks who were hard against him just days ago, publicly announcing their support for him means that we, we uh, certainly have got a lot of momentum in upgrading the position. So Gates is suggesting that Steve Scalise might've been even a bigger departure from the Kevin McCarthy's style of doing things and from Kevin McCarthy's affiliations and motivations. Maybe Jim Jordan is more aligned with Kevin McCarthy. And now some of the holdouts have come to Jim Jordan's side. And one of those is actually Mike Rogers. He posted on X, formerly Twitter, this morning. Jim Jordan and I have had two cordial, thoughtful, and productive conversations over the past two days. We agreed on the need for Congress to pass a strong NDAA, that is the National Defense Authorization Act, appropriations to fund our government's vital functions and other important legislation like the Farm Bill. As a result, I have decided to support Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House on the floor. Since I was first elected to the House, I have always been a team player and supported what the majority of the Republican conference agrees to. Together, our Republican majority will be stronger 
to fight Joe Biden's reckless agenda for America. Now, all of that is ridiculous. First of all, I don't want to see Mike Rogers and Jim Jordan coming to a cordial, thoughtful and productive agreement about continuing to fund the illegitimate government. That is not something that I, as an American, want to see happen. I don't want anyone to come to terms with Mike Rogers. I am also not impressed by Mike Rogers claiming to be a team player who consistently votes with the majority of the Republican conference. That's not his job. His job is to vote for what his constituents want him to vote for. He is in Congress to do the work of the citizens of Alabama in his district. What happens when everyone in the Republican conference says that they are just supporting the majority of the conference? Are any of them doing their job and representing the will of their own constituents? Or do they all just get to say, we're doing what the majority of the conference is doing and everybody is supposed to just accept that that's good because we want to see the Republican Party, in quotes, succeed. Now, to the extent that MAGA is taking over the Republican Party and makes up the majority of the Republican Party now, then it's certainly preferable to see the Republican Party succeed, but only when it's actually doing the work of the American voters, of the constituents of these representatives. There's nothing inherently good about the quote unquote Republican Party succeeding and to vote with the majority of the conference doesn't mean anything. If the majority of the conference is all doing the work of the donor class and the Republican establishment and doing the bidding of the global regime or whatever corporations aligned with the global regime are funding them, then we have a situation where they are justifying all of their votes as aligning with the majority of the conference while not representing any of the people. They're basically saying, I'm doing what the uniparty right is supposed to do. We on the uniparty right have all agreed to do this thing. That is the thing that I am doing. Well, how does that represent your constituents? This is clearly not what the founders intended. They didn't even intend parties in the first place. And now we have, quote unquote, elected representatives telling us that the justification for their vote is that it aligns with the majority of the Republican conference. These people don't even know what they're saying anymore. In their minds, this makes sense because this is how business has been done. But this does not make sense. They are supposed to go there and represent their constituents. Mike Rogers is also saying that the reason he is now supporting Jim Jordan is because Jim Jordan has agreed to support certain spending priorities of the conference. That National Defense Authorization Act, that is most likely going to be rolled into an omnibus spending package that will be passed at some point between Thanksgiving and Christmas in an up or down vote. That is exactly the sort of thing that Matt Gates brought the motion to vacate to try to prevent. And I guess we will have to wait and see if Jim Jordan or someone else carries those priorities forward. And there is other direct opposition from the Republican House conference. Here is Northeast Florida Representative John Rutherford having a tantrum. 
Okay, where I'm at right now is I'm, uh, um, since the folks that want to follow the majority, which is the rule, we should follow the majority. Kevin McCarthy had 96%. Uh, 4% took him out, joining with the Democrats. Now we're in conference where the Democrats don't get the vote, and I'm back with Kevin McCarthy. Uh, since he, out of all of the folks that have thrown their hat in the ring, he is head and shoulders above the rest in, in the majority that he's able to put together. It was 96%. And you're a no on Jordan on the floor right now. I, I'm a no on allowing Matt Gates in the, in the other seven to win by putting their individual in as speaker. So again, he's got to do what the party says they're all going to do. The majority decides and then everyone has to go along no matter what the will of their own constituents is. He is providing a justification for all of the representatives in Congress, not only in the Republican conference. This is how it works in both. We are told that this is how it is supposed to work based on the good of the party, because we are stuck in this controlled opposition dynamic with everything being construed as left and right, red and blue, Republican, Democrat. That doesn't represent reality. That essentially means that as long as the regime, as long as the uniparty faction in the Republican conference can achieve 50 percent plus one, all the other representatives who are there to represent the will of their constituents, they all just have to go along with the majority. Their votes no longer count. Their votes are only there to be used by the uniparty right majority. Amy Kramer, who did a lot of work with Stop the Steal and other various America First organizations, posted a list of 12 of the Republican holdouts as of Friday, and they were Ann Wagner of Missouri, Austin Scott, as we mentioned, of Georgia, Mike Rogers, as we mentioned, of Alabama, Frank Lucas of Oklahoma, Carlos Jimenez of Florida, John Rutherford of Florida, Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida, Steve Womack of Arkansas, Drew Ferguson of Georgia, Maria Salazar of Florida, Laurel Lee of Florida, and Greg Murphy of North Carolina. All 12 of those members are from Republican states in the Southeast and then Oklahoma and Missouri, two red states, two states with America first majorities. There's a lot of Florida in there. I wonder if they are trying to help Ron and the rest of the Republican establishment. But you've got North Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Missouri. And Steve Bannon, of course, has been hammering these points. These are MAGA states. These are representatives from MAGA states who are there supporting the establishment in direct opposition to the will of their own constituents. Now, hey, if they were saying we're not going to vote for Jim Jordan because we actually want no Speaker of the House, I would be applauding them. But that is not their logic here. They are supporting the regime and there is still a push to get back Kevin McCarthy. You heard it from John Rutherford talking about how only 4% of the conference had voted to remove McCarthy. Matt Gates pointed out on War Room that Kevin McCarthy himself said to the conference that he understands there are far more members who would have voted along with Gates and the other seven for that motion to vacate. They just haven't yet. 
But the truth is, it doesn't matter. They can't play that 96% to 4% game and somehow override what those 4% have done. The rules were set in place for a reason. They were negotiated at the beginning of the year before Kevin McCarthy was voted in as speaker. They were negotiated in for a reason. Now they have been used because Kevin McCarthy was acting in opposition to the will of the Republican voters. It doesn't matter what the majority of the conference wants. It doesn't matter if he can excuse it by saying that the government needs to keep functioning, that the American people hired us to do a job and by golly, we're going to go do it. That is not what the American people hired these people to do. The American people did not send Republicans to Congress so that they could continue committing American citizens to a never ending life of indentured servitude so that the global regime could keep printing and creating out of nothing new fiat regime bucks to pay for foreign wars. For instance, when this whole process began the week before last, I said I did not want to see Jim Jordan rubber stamped as the Speaker of the House, regardless of Donald Trump's endorsement. I said that because I don't want to see any speaker continue advancing the business, quote unquote, of the U.S. House of Representatives. They claim the American people sent them there to govern. I would argue that the American people sent them there to stop the government from governing. They are not going to pass any legislation that the American people want them to pass. We don't need or want more spending. It does not matter that Fox News continues to repeat these various regime slogans and that Republican voters, to the extent that they are still hooked into the uniparty right narrative, continue to go along with that. That is not what is in the country's best interest. And if the people don't yet understand that and they really do want Jim Jordan to be named speaker so that the country's business, quote unquote, can continue, well, let them do it and then they will realize, oh, yeah, that's not what we wanted. I have no doubt about that. I am obviously fine to allow the situation to play out. Same approach that I always have and that I've talked about on this show before. We express what we want, but we will play the cards that are dealt no matter what they're dealt as. If we have to go to the next step with Jim Jordan as a speaker and Jim Jordan gets in there passing all of this ridiculous spending, then we demand that Jim Jordan be removed as well. Again, Jim Jordan might be a lovely man. He might be a bold and brave patriot who is committed to doing the work of the American people and might nonetheless be unable to resist the pressure and influence of the regime. Or he may simply be unable to understand what the country actually believes or what the country actually wants right now. And if that's the case, then he should be removed as well. Now, I don't think he's going to get voted in. I think we will probably see some holdouts on the part of the establishment, and they are probably figuring out which members of the Republican establishment, which ones of these representatives the establishment can afford to lose. And I would imagine that some of these representatives who come out in opposition to Jim Jordan in this floor vote, which I believe is taking place tomorrow will probably announce at some point in the near future that they will not be running again. And then they will probably take some job from some regime related company or lobbying organization and will probably accept a sizable payoff for taking the heat and opposing Jim Jordan in this floor vote. 
And there may be a lot of people in MAGA getting upset about that because they believe that Jim Jordan is the guy and he's Trump's choice and that the Republican conference should get behind him. I do not hold that opinion, as you might guess. I want to see this process carry out for as long as possible. I do not want to see a speaker. I have not changed from that position from the very beginning. Every time a member of the Republican establishment announces themselves as part of that to the country, an angel gets its wings or something. I at least emerge with a smile on my face and I say, oh, look at that. We found another one. Excellent. Now, everyone will know. Let the uniparty show itself. The faster, the better. If we have to do it in little tiny pieces, in these floor votes going round by round, if it takes 15 votes, if it takes far longer, every bit of that is good. I imagine that we might see them vote against Jim Jordan to attempt to extract concessions. They think that they have leverage. They are going to prevent Jim Jordan from becoming speaker, and then they will begin to claw back concessions, maybe the motion to vacate. Maybe they'll get that higher threshold so that one person is not able to bring up that motion to vacate. It will be much harder to get rid of any speaker once they have placed one there. Forget about the fact that Donald Trump has endorsed Jim Jordan. You do not have to go along with what Donald Trump says. Donald Trump is playing a strategic game on a very high level, and we are not privy to each and every aspect of his thinking, his motivation, and his strategy at every turn. We have to determine what we want separate from Donald Trump. And when our interests align with Donald Trump, then wonderful. When they don't, we say that. And we hope that Donald Trump comes in our direction, or perhaps we realize what it is that Donald Trump is thinking, and we determine that he is right and we are not. That is how the process is supposed to work. We are not supposed to do whatever Donald Trump says he wants just because we support Donald Trump. What we ultimately support is America first. We need to be able to think about these things separate from the answers being given to us by Donald Trump. We do not just get to cheat on this test eternally because Trump is around. What happens in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years when Donald Trump is not around to give us the answers? Then what? We have to be able to figure these things out for ourselves. And going with the majority of the Republican conference is not the right answer. Doing what Donald Trump says is not the right answer. We need to get smarter about these things. There is no legislation that can be passed by a majority Republican House right now that is going to make it through the Senate and then through the fake president that is actually going to help Americans. Not that any of these bodies are legitimate in the first place. In the best case scenario, the Republican House would pass something that is genuinely America first and the Democrat majority Senate and the Democrat fake president would go along with what we want for the good of America and pass all of it into law, except for the fact that these bodies are illegitimate and governing without the consent of the governed. So they can't produce legitimate legislation or anything else as a product of that illegitimacy. And we should not want them to. And that would be a more ideal case than the reality that we are confronted with. In the reality that confronts us, 
There is absolutely nothing that the Republican establishment will even do that will help America first. It is not why they're there. It does not matter at all that they have little R's next to their name. What they are saying to the American public in no uncertain terms is that we need to go in there and govern. Well, how does that work? They would work with Democrats finding something that the Senate might pass and that the president might sign. What are those sorts of things? Well, it's only spending bills that propel the global agenda forward. Now, Matt Gates can encourage the candidacy of Jim Jordan and Donald Trump can endorse Jim Jordan. And we can all say Jim Jordan is a great guy and still not want to see Jim Jordan become speaker this week because there is nothing that Jim Jordan or any of the rest of them are going to be able to do that will yield positive or legitimate outcomes for the America First movement or American citizens in general. Now, are they going to push the investigations forward? I guess you could attempt to claim that. But why haven't they done it so far? I mean, they've been there for nine months. And what has happened? We have had the announcement of the beginning of an impeachment inquiry for the fake president. Again, I don't want to see him impeached. He's not a legitimate president. Impeachment is not the way to remove him. But they haven't done anything on it. Do we expect they're going to do more on that? Will Jim Jordan bring that impeachment and will they try Joe Biden in the Senate and then remove Joe Biden? There is very, very little chance of that happening. Not that it would be legitimate anyway, but let's say they did remove Joe Biden. Who benefits from that? I would suggest the uniparty left benefits from that because then they have the ability to replace Joe Biden with someone else. Would it be Kamala? Probably not. Big Mike, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, that's more likely. And so the thing that seems like it would be Jim Jordan doing something to benefit America first actually just benefits the Uniparty left, which, by the way, benefits the Uniparty right, which, by the way, might explain why the Uniparty right would eventually back him. Are they going to do incredible work on the committee on the weaponization of the American government against the American citizens? No, they're probably not going to do anything important there. Maybe they'll hold hearings and propel the disclosure operation forward bit by bit. That's possible. Same thing with the committee on the CCP led by Mike Gallagher, a zero in Congress. Which one of these bodies have accomplished anything so far? Well, as far as we know, none of them. Now, if they're doing these investigations and putting all the information that we already know about into the congressional record, maybe that'll serve some sort of purpose in the future but I kind of doubt it. Everything these committees are finding and studying and disclosing to the American public is stuff we already know about. All of the breaking news we see, and this is something that people need to focus on all the time. When you see breaking news, is it something that already happened a year ago or three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago? When we get breaking news about Biden documents from 2015, and then we find out that those documents are thoroughly detailed in the report on the Biden laptop by Marco Polo. Is that actually breaking news or are we being fooled by the media? Do we need congressional committees to tell us what has already been told? The answer, of course, is no. Now, 
does it help from an informational perspective and a disclosure perspective when the mainstream media is willing to cover these things as breaking news? Well, the only answer to that would be found in the net effects on what American citizens believe after consuming that information. Is it helping? Maybe marginally, but otherwise, none of this amounts to anything. It is a sideshow while time passes, waiting for Donald Trump to be recognized once again as the president of the United States of America. This process is going to play out, and this is kind of fluff entertainment in the meantime. I appreciate that it is increasing the knowledge of this information throughout the general public, but it's not doing much else. And if the general public was actually motivated to understand these issues, they could do it on their own much more quickly than this Congress is able to accomplish it. Maybe it gives some sort of air of legitimacy to people, but I kind of doubt that as well, because if you are tuned into the central narrative and you are still asleep, then you are going to continue believing the mainstream media's reporting on these subjects rather than what's being shown in these hearings that people aren't really watching. Now, I would love to hear some argument about what the House of Representatives is going to accomplish in the next year leading up to the 2024 elections that I guess people are still certain we're going to have, but I haven't heard a compelling one yet. Matt Gates says that they want to pass their single subject appropriation legislation and getting the floor vote on all of those things could expose a whole bunch of new rhinos. And if that's what the process is for, well, I guess wonderful. But otherwise, that project seems relatively worthless. If we need to learn it as a civics lesson, if we need it for the exposure of these rhinos, then I guess fine. But again, none of these are great motivations for having this process move forward. I would rather have this process absolutely stagnant so that we can see what this thing really is. And we can talk about how utterly useless the Congress is aside from passing spending legislation. We actually don't need a body to just keep creating new laws for us all the time, especially when the impetus for creating those laws is to push a global agenda forward. And the people voting for these laws are doing so for that express purpose. They are voting with the majority of their conference, not voting to represent the will of their constituents. This whole thing is a debacle unfolding in front of the American public. And I actually appreciate that aspect far more than I could ever appreciate the Congress doing things. And as for Jim Jordan himself and what his priorities would be, he posted this on X, formerly Twitter, this morning. Additional steps we must take to destroy Hamas and support Israel. Iran sanctions for funding and arming Hamas. Enforce existing sanctions on Iranian oil. More interceptors for Israel's Iron Dome. More precision-guided munitions. More ammunition rounds. More intelligence sharing. And replenish drained U.S. stockpiles. Who are the Americans who support this? And which of these agenda items support an America First agenda? Why would we be enthusiastic about the election of a Speaker of the House when that Speaker of the House's stated priorities are helping another country? Who has the appetite for this? Who wants this? Maybe the Fox News crowd wants this. Maybe the audience of The Blaze or the leading producers of trans content at The Daily Wire. Maybe all of them 
are certain that we must do everything we can to support the globalist proxy state of Israel. And we should be clear that when they are talking about supporting Israel this way, there is no indication whatsoever that they are talking about supporting the people of Israel. Now, that's something to keep an eye on. We'll see how it develops. Maybe I am misreading that. Maybe some of this is actually to support the sovereign citizens of Israel. But for now, it sounds exactly like the claims being made by the people who we know are supporting the global regime in Israel and are repeating obviously false portions of the central narrative in order to coerce support for that same agenda. I don't think anyone is required to support that. Certainly not the American taxpayer with American taxpayer dollars. The idea that we want an America first speaker of the house, a Trump endorsed speaker of the house to get in to that position and then do this stuff is absolutely crazy. Now, as I said, I want this to be an expose the rhinos operation, and I do not want any speaker to be chosen as a result of this process. I do not want Jim Jordan. I do not want Tom Emmer. I do not want Steve Scalise. I do not want Elise Stefanik. I do not want green eggs and ham. And it sounds like it remains possible that we will not get any of the above. This is CNN's Manu Raju. The big question is really what is next if Jim Jordan does falter? There potentially could be other candidates who have made some in their intentions known privately that they could run if Jordan falters, or do they decide to prop up the interim speaker, Patrick McHenry, give him more power, things that he does not currently have, at least it's not clear under the law, to allow legislation to move forward in his position, but it just shows you the desperate position Republicans are in, as no legislation can be acted upon until they elect a speaker of the House. Still so many questions about how Republicans resolve this mess of their own making. Now, that sounds to me like the regime is preceding a narrative. They cannot pass legislation until they get a speaker. So maybe if the Jim Jordan thing doesn't work, maybe they're going to try to give Patrick McHenry more powers so that he can push legislation through. Things aren't going to work within the rules, so they'll just change the rules. And while they do that, they're going to tell Americans that changing the rules is necessary in order to keep governing on their behalf. And isn't that strange that they're allowed to just change the rules and tell us it's for our own good, just like everything else they do? Yes, we're going to vote with the Republican conference majority, despite what the constituents want. But here's the thing. It's actually for the good of the constituents whose will is being actively opposed by us going ahead and doing the thing that we wanted to do anyway. It's almost like they're saying that Republican voters are too stupid to listen to. So you have to let us smart people in government handle everything. Otherwise, we would run the risk of losing our democracy by going along with the voters. Now, Jim Jordan today wrote a letter to his Republican colleagues requesting their support for him as speaker. He wrote, Dear colleague, the principles that unite us as Republicans are far greater than the disagreements that divide us, and the differences between us and our Democrat colleagues vastly outweigh our internal divisions. 
the country and our conference cannot afford us attacking each other right now. It is time we unite to get back to work on behalf of the American people. Now, I don't want to see the Republican conference unite because we know what that means. We know that the members who are there on behalf of the global regime will not be moving toward America first principles. They will not adopt America first principles in order to unify. There is no chance of that happening. What they are going to try to do is find a consensus large enough so that they can use that to browbeat the America first representatives into going along with them, calling them bad Republicans. Otherwise, just days after we saw members of the Republican establishment say directly to Hakeem Jeffries that he needs to let them know what they need to do to get the support of these Democrats, preferably to put Kevin McCarthy back in that role. It is also not true, or at least not apparent at this point, that the majority of the Republican conference has more in common with the America first wing than they do with their controlled opposition on the uniparty left. I would love to be proven wrong about this, but it seems as though the uniparty right does still have a majority in this House Republican conference. And of course, that is leaving aside the fact of their obvious illegitimacy. As Republicans, we are blessed to have an energetic conference comprised of members with varied backgrounds, experiences and skills, just like the country we represent. We may not always agree on every issue or every bill, and that's all right. We don't march in lockstep like our Democrat colleagues. We value the discussion and robust debate that generates effective public policies rooted in common sense, conservative principles. And of course, he is being gracious to his Republican colleagues. But this isn't true. They don't have robust debate over what generates effective public policies. They use leverage and twist arms and try to shame people into compliance so that the uniparty right global agenda can be pushed forward. They wouldn't be doing any of this business behind closed doors otherwise. They are actively saying to the American public, you do not get to see us doing your work. These people are meant to be doing the work of the American public, and they are not doing it. They are doing something in direct opposition to that, which is why they have to do it behind closed doors. I know that this is a mindset that we have been trained into over many decades to think about these people as authorities in our lives. People who know the real stuff, the stuff that we as normal citizens aren't allowed to know because they're dealing with really important government stuff. These people make the rules and then rule over us. And we can't question them on why they're making these rules. We just have to trust them that they're doing it to help us. No, no, we don't. The idea that so much of our government is allowed to operate in secret is absolutely insane. We are meant to believe that everything somehow involves national security and our intelligence agencies, and they can't share those secrets with us or else everything would fall apart. I mean, think about how crazy that is. We're told about the Israel and Palestine thing, that there was an intelligence failure. They knew in advance that there would be a very deadly Hamas attack. And whoever was in the intelligence community and knew that 
Well, they failed to act on it because they didn't think it was important enough. They didn't think it would really happen. They didn't think that they needed to alert other people. And for some reason, we're supposed to accept that. And we're not even supposed to question, hey, why didn't you guys tell the citizens that could potentially be in the targeted zones that maybe something bad was going to happen to them this weekend? How did Israel's intelligence agencies or even America's intelligence agencies or any other intelligence agencies protect any of those Israeli citizens whose lives we've been told have been destroyed by the events of the last 10 days? How did they protect those people? The only answer is that they didn't. And under the guise of protecting those people, now we have to go to war. We are not even allowed to discuss this because that would mean that we want something crazy. We want the intelligence agencies to tell us what's going on about important national security matters. Well, uh, yeah, I think that we actually would like that. In fact, if we have a government of by and for the people, it is actually our right to that information. Our government should not be allowed to hide information from us if we as citizens are ultimately who that government is of, for, and by. And we just accept this as a common and acceptable state of affairs. It is not. But back to Jim Jordan's letter. It's an honor to receive our conference's nomination as speaker designate. Over the past weeks, each of you have communicated the issues that matter most to you and your constituents. We've discussed frustrations about the treatment of Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and the events of the past month. You've been honest and open, and I appreciate the candid conversations. In these conversations, we've also discussed your thoughts on how we can best move forward, and we must move forward. And I gotta say, it is a little weird to be hearing this title of Speaker Designate. It kind of has that air of the office of president-elect. The fact that the term exists suggests that the reason for its existence is to convince us that something is a done deal when it is absolutely not a done deal. All that happened was behind closed doors, the majority of the Republican conference agreed that they would move forward supporting Jim Jordan. That does not confer an official title on Jim Jordan. Back to the letter. The role of a speaker is to bring all Republicans together. That's what I intend to do. We will make sure there are more Republican voices involved in our major decisions beyond the five families. Our goal will be to empower our committees and committee chairs to take the lead on the House's legislative work through regular order. This will bring us together to pass responsible legislation to fund our government and support our military. I will tirelessly work to defend and expand our majority and help every Republican member back at home. Now, it's interesting that he mentioned the five families that kind of harkens back to the five mafia families that Rudy Giuliani, coincidentally enough, helped to take down in New York City. But that's obviously not what he's referring to. And I was not familiar with that term. My first response was to think, oh, OK, so Bush, McCain, Romney, Cheney. And there has to be one other and couldn't think of it. So I began 
researching what he was talking about with the five families. And it turns out that this is actually how they refer to these five important elements of the Republican conference in the House. The Washington Post actually covered this back in March with a whole piece outlining these five families. I have an archived version of that so you can see the full article up in the info stream on Telegram, t.me slash very reasonable. The headline of that article from the Washington Post is meet the five families that wield power in McCarthy's House majority. And they have a convenient little graphic that lays out the Republican conference's leadership structure. So Kevin McCarthy is the speaker, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, Tom Emmer, the majority whip, Gary Palmer, the policy committee chair, Elise Stefanik, the conference chair, and then below them, Garrett Graves. That's the guy who was trying to out debate Matt Gates a couple weeks ago on the floor, talking about how Gates was using the whole motion to vacate as a fundraising mechanism. He is the elected leadership committee chair. The graphic is like an organizational chart or a family tree beneath Garrett Graves. It shows the five leaders of these quote unquote five families, the problem solvers caucus. The co-chair of that is Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, and that group is composed of 29 members. They have the Republican governance group chaired by David Joyce of Ohio with 42 members. The Republican Main Street Caucus, chaired by Dusty Johnson of South Dakota with 67 members. The Republican Study Committee, chaired by Oklahoma's Kevin Hearn, 173 members in the Republican Study Committee. And then the House Freedom Caucus, 34 members, chaired by Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. So the idea here is that each one of these individual groups in these five families, they reach some sort of consensus opinion. And then the chair of these individual groups will be involved in the negotiations at that higher level. The Washington Post article describes the five groups as follows. The House Freedom Caucus is probably the most well-known ideological faction since its members are outspoken in their hardline demands of leadership notably holding up the eventual election of McCarthy as speaker. While the Trump-aligned group frequently makes headlines with members such as Marjorie Taylor Greene and Chip Roy in the ranks, it is one of the smallest factions with almost 35 members. And Chip Roy is a Ron guy and angry at Matt Gates, and seems to just be a typical establishment cuck who likes to maintain the image of a very strong America first conservative when he is quite clearly not. As I've noted many times, Chip Roy failed to object to the certification of the fraudulent electors on January 6th. The Republican Study Committee has historically been the largest ideological block of the conference, with current membership including nearly 80% of all Republicans. Given its size, its membership crosses over with many other groups in the more moderate and ultra-conservative factions. On the opposite end of the spectrum from the House Freedom Caucus are three groups of more pragmatic and governance-minded Republicans who are learning to flex their muscles in a majority where every vote counts. 
The Problem Solvers Caucus is the only one that has both Republican and Democratic members as they strive to propose policies that have bipartisan support. They might as well just call that the Uniparty Caucus. I mean, what a clown show that is that a Republican caucus with Democrat members coming up with bipartisan solutions has a powerful voice in the Republican conference. What a joke. The Republican governance group is home to 42 Republicans, a majority of whom are moderates who value governing and the House as an institution. Most are fiscally conservative and socially moderate as they prioritize defending the interests of their colleagues facing the toughest reelection prospects in policy negotiations. So their job is to be moderates concerned with getting their members reelected in elections everyone knows to be rigged. So now we have two groups whose sole purpose is to say that they're the good ones. Two Democrats. The Main Street Caucus has a lot of crossover with members of the Republican governance group, but don't call themselves moderates. This group of 67 conservatives is keenly interested in governing and producing legislation focused largely on the economy and national security. So basically, we have the Freedom Caucus, whose members cannot be trusted. Then we have three overtly uniparty groups and one group that composes almost the entire conference that doesn't seem to have any ideological purpose at all, at least according to the Washington Post. They also note that 14 Republicans choose not to be part of any of the five families. Matt Gates has notoriously become an independent voice within the conference, a badge he wears proudly by not belonging to any group. The Washington Post notes to ensure that a wide variety of members' input is heard, McCarthy tasked Representative Garrett Graves of Louisiana, a trusted ally, to chair the elected leadership committee. The group is significantly larger than the five chairs meeting, with over a dozen participants from each family, giving more members an opportunity to directly express their opinions for leaders to consider. The article then goes on to list the affiliations of all of the members of the conference and all of the members, obviously, of each one of the families. So it's actually a pretty good resource. Thanks, Washington Post. To close out the letter from Jordan, our Republican vision for America is grounded in boundless optimism. America is a nation of explorers and risk takers. There is nothing that the United States can't achieve and no limit to our nation's success. As Republicans, we innately believe these things. When Republicans come together, there is no measure to what we can achieve for the American people. So Jim Jordan is calling for unity and promising to include more voices in these discussions, moving beyond this five families model. Will that bring more transparency to the American people whose interests these representatives are meant to be representing? I guess we'll find out with the results that the Republican conference has produced so far in the last nine months. You have to believe that it cannot possibly get any worse. They claim that they've had these great successes, but they haven't. They have done virtually nothing. I would argue that the only productive things that Republican majority has accomplished, aside from maybe some sound bites in some hearings, are these controversies over who will be the speaker.
The speaker election process in January was probably the most productive political event that we have witnessed all year. And the process to select the new speaker will probably come in second and may even come in first. But we're talking about a Republican conference that by and large is illegitimate, has done virtually nothing, does not care about representing the will or the needs of their own constituents, and is essentially just a bunch of corrupt political hacks doing the work of the global regime and selling it to their constituents as what they actually want. And they talk down to their constituents in the process, pretending that they actually are the only ones who know how the process works and they can't show us or else everyone would know how it works. And then what do you need them for? So throughout the day, we have been hearing about members of the Republican conference who have decided to back Jordan. He has won over some of his skeptics, according to CNN. Jordan told CNN he will go to the floor for a speaker vote at noon Eastern Tuesday, whether or not he has the votes locked up. I think the only way to do this, the way the founders intended, is you have to vote tomorrow, Jordan said. We set it for 12 p.m. Eastern. I feel good about it. Asked if he would go to a second ballot, Jordan said, we are going to elect a speaker tomorrow. If Jordan is able to secure the votes to become Speaker Tuesday, it would put an end to a chaotic and unprecedented two weeks in the House following McCarthy's ouster. Without a speaker, the House is unable to pass legislation despite the international crises and government shutdown one month away. Though some members have explored empowering interim speaker Patrick McHenry, a North Carolina Republican who was appointed to the position following Kevin McCarthy's ouster. So Jim Jordan is confident or at least projecting confidence about his chances tomorrow. He believes the House will have a speaker after this vote tomorrow afternoon. And hey, maybe he's right. Maybe we will get a Jim Jordan as speaker and maybe Jim Jordan will have to be the regime's sacrificial lamb. There is at least a scenario where Jim Jordan is being thrust into that position with the consent of MAGA, the America First movement, people who have accepted the notion that we need a speaker in there. He will enter that position with Matt Gates's approval, with Donald Trump's endorsement, and then we will see how it goes. And if he is indeed a tool of the global regime and committed to advancing their agenda, then we will see Jim Jordan continue these same spending policies using continuing resolutions, passing an omnibus bill. That we have seen in the past, and then people will be clamoring for Jim Jordan to meet the same fate that Kevin McCarthy has met. Let's hope if Jim Jordan is elected Speaker of the House that he does not go that route. It would be wonderful to see Jim Jordan be the person many of us believe him to be, but he does not get the benefit of the doubt. Neither does anyone else. And no matter what happens, this process is far from over. We will not know what we need to know until we find out whether or not he is intending to pass that continuing resolution. And if he does that with the help of Democrats or with the full Republican conference minus a few, then we know exactly who Jim Jordan is. If the next continuing resolution passes without Republican opposition and without the need 
of half of the Democrat caucus going along to pass it, we will understand pretty quickly that there is, in fact, a rhino regime supporting majority in the Republican conference. And while that will hurt people's feelings, it really will not make a difference when all of this is said and done, aside from pushing the awakening forward, which by itself is always good. Now, I'm not sure that I will have an episode up tomorrow. I have a feeling that we will be covering the House speaker vote live as it happens on Badlands Media. So if you would like to watch that, the vote is at noon tomorrow, noon Eastern tomorrow, and we will be at Badlands Media on Rumble. Look for an announcement from me on Telegram or Twitter or Truth Social. I imagine that I will post one in one, if not all of those locations. And if I am not back tomorrow, then I will be back on Wednesday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do. By signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.CancelCouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'mYourModerator. And I'll see you soon, out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!